this I always found to be really helpful. It's actually, it may not feel like it's helpful based on what hears it, but to me it's very good news. And uh, I got this book when I was in India a long time ago, and this was the statement that caught my attention. And he's talking about, in one text, he talks about the problem with spiritual seeking. The, not a problem, the. So he emphasizes the importance of it. So here it goes. It goes like this. Make sure this is recording. Presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing and then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing. So this is the dilemma. So what I call the activity that reinforces this statement, I call it selfing. It's a giant. It's a it's a blanket statement about the use and the the mo of the mental processes, which is the the main movement of the mental process is the claim. Yes, and then what it does is it reinforces, implies, assumes, infers this idea. So the thought system. If you, if you just hear it, you know, pictures you as a body. That's what it does. So when you're thought about, you're thought about as a body. So when you go, because let's say you, you're remembered, you go, your head is thinking about where you were five years ago, what are you being pictured as? A body. Yeah. I mean, that, the only way the thoughts could aim at that target, which is, is it, they, it needs a target, which is you as a body. It couldn't talk about, it couldn't remember you five years ago as a spirit because it would be totally occupied in knowing itself as spirit now. Yeah? But, but if the primary identification isn't with your real nature or your let's say, the nothingness of what we are, but with this false idea of being a non-existent thing, which is this body. Yep. If then, if your identification is with this, this representing you has to be remembered. And it's remembered by thinking about the body. You're not thinking about the body. The thought system is thinking about the body. And it calls you... And then it also remembers you by worrying about you in the future. Because to you, that's pictured with all those calamities and all those situations you're afraid to have. You're pictured as having them as a body. Yes? So, you're remembered when the worrying's going on in the future, and you're being remembered when you're recollecting what happened to you in the past, and you're being remembered not as a spirit, or as nothingness, or as beingness, or awareness, or big M mind, but as a body. Yeah. So the body, this identification as a body, the mental state can't get... It would love to get rid of this so-ness of what you are, so the best thing it can do is make it seem not to be so. For it to make what's so seem so not to be so, it has to make something that's not so seem so. Yeah? It needs to replace what is with what it thinks it is. Yeah? And that's what the mental state's doing. So the mental state, the thought system, the thoughts aren't doing it. They're being used to do something. Yeah? So the thoughts are being used to facilitate this bondage to this idea of being a non-existent thing 
that wants to get salvation for itself. Yeah. And so here he says here, says when your practices, when your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing. Yeah. This is just saying, he says, perchance, this may be what's happening. It may be happening that your practices are being used to give life to this non-existent thing. Yeah. Then if that's the case, how can they destroy it? So if this is in place, it may or may not be. I mean, it's best for you to find out. But usually people aren't going to look unless they hear the possibility. So I heard it in this way. He put out a possibility that when I investigated it, it rang true. Yeah. So when I was thinking I was being the, doing the meditating, when the meditating was going on, the selfing was presupposing that it was a non-existent thing that was meditating. And so that non-existent thing was cast as the meditator. And all the while, my belief was, if not even knowing that, if I meditate enough, I, I bet you I can meditate myself out of being the meditator. But you can't. Because you can't get out of something you're not in. See, if you were the meditator, maybe you could meditate yourself out of it, but you're not the meditator. There's just what you would call meditating going on. But in, real, in reality, it's more real to say you're being meditated. Something has never taken the eye off of you as a ball. You have been seen this whole freaking time by mind. When you thought you were totally out there, mind was the one that it allowed you to inform yourself that you were out there. You ever see people write incredibly clear descriptions of a deep, dark depression? Usually a deep, dark depression is very cloudy and confused, and you're very deep in the thick of it. But they write incredibly clear descriptions of what it was like to be in a deep depression. The mind itself, the big M mind, was never in a depression, nor was it ever out of a depression. There was a depression in it, and there was a, there's the outer being a depression in it, but the mind itself, the big M mind, has never entered the things we're trying to get out of. That's the beautiful news. So the best way to get out of something is to realize you were never in it. And if, if you realize you were never in it, how long will it take you to get out of it? No time whatsoever. Now you're on to something. Just like a great Zen master said, you, you can't use activity to produce stillness. That would be activity. You can't get out of this little Chinese thumb puzzle by working uh, you know, in the context of the Chinese thumb puzzle. You're not going to get out of what you're not in. And so... This is saying here, there's the presupposing the existence, so that would imply the inness of a non-existent thing, that would imply the outness. So we want to get out of what we think we're in, but we're not in what we think we want to get out of. That's the dilemma. That's the whole basis of everything else. That's the whole basis, I would say, of maybe 98% of the books that are written in this book place, 98% have mis missed this. 
They should have this on the first page of every book. Just like they have on a cigarette, you know, thing, where it says this could be harming, this could be harmful for your health. This should be the first thing on every page of every book here. I, I want to get a stamp, really, and just come in here one night and just stamp them, which would say, presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. So maybe while you're reading that book about the all-oneness, what may be actually going on is a presupposing of a non-existent thing taking itself to be the reader of the book, trying to get out of the non-existent thing as the non-existent thing. It could possibly be what's happening. To me, it's the template that when it... I don't know. It was searched, it was shown to me. When I saw this, my spiritual pants fell down, and thank God I didn't pick a new pair up. It was just obvious. It was just obvious that this was the case. There was a mental interpretation. And they say the selfing is so quick, it's like 500th of a second. There's no process you can do that's going to outdraw the selfing. You can meditate as much as you want. The meditator is going to be reflected in it. That's the bondage of self. The bondage of self isn't meditating or not meditating. It's like in both cases, there's a sense of being the one that's either doing it or not doing it. That's the bondage. The bondage, it's just like people talk about it as an ego. I don't see it as an ego because we share, we say, I have an ego. That feeling of having the ego is the bondage of self, not an ego. It just it uses the ego like it does everything else or the name called an ego to, to claim that to emphasize the one that has the ego, and then if you seem to lose the ego, it'll emphasize the one who lost the ego. The one who had and lost will still be the same, ego or no. If you see it, then the, then the mistake doesn't become a fact. If you, if you start from it being a fact and you try to uncorrect it by everything that we do and have, you will just reinforce it. You're trying to get out of it. As this great master said, people don't give talks with this picture all the freaking time, that the, the practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing. Now you become a spiritual person. God forbid you get a lot loving gaze. You're fucking really up at then. Jesus Christ. And you get people to believe that you're something special that they don't have. How can they... How can they destroy it? How can I destroy the seeming ignorance... What is inherently ignorant? My trying to destroy the ignorant may be ignorant of this simple statement, the presupposing of a non-existent thing. I would say that the ignorance will beget more ignorance. And the ignorance that's hidden in the cloth of realization is incredibly, incredibly subtle and sublime. It's very difficult to notice. So then he says, he goes down, he says... 
to try to destroy this the ego, <laughs> this this non-existent thing by practices is to be just like a thief turning himself into a policeman to catch the thief who is none other than himself. It's like we're playing good cop, bad cop right, in, right here in the head. <laughs> so I don't know. I think my, my career is coming to a real freaking slamming short because the talks are like five minutes now. I mean, that's the point. If that's not clear, everything else is going to heap more and more shit on the situation. Yeah. Let it enter in. See if it registers. If it doesn't register, continue on with what's happening. But if it registers, it may save you a lot of time. You know? And it doesn't mean about, oh, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing. If there's just a recognition you were never doing it in the first place. Yeah? So if you're drawn to meditate, meditate. If you're drawn to seek, seek. But then now, there'll be a short-circuiting of the claiming of the seeking to imply a, a seeker. The claiming of the meditation to apply a meditator. Because now, you, you've seen the thief in the house. Yeah? You're aware of it. When light is brought to the situation, it's never been this or that that's causing the bondage. It's what's prior to this or that. Because the this and the that can be so totally extreme, but the one that's prior to it is still the same non-existent thing. I was talking to my friend, you know, about people being so engaged in situations and you can take a step back but if you don't know that there's a step back yeah but there is this idea of being this this body has been produced in time yet it hasn't been able to disturb or to erase the timeless condition that we inherently are so the solution is right where the making of the problem can occur the solution is prior to it. Yeah. In other words, from the from the quote unquote problem, we need a solution. But from the solution, the problem's an activity. It's an activity. That's all it is. It's a mental activity. The presupposing is exactly that. When the selfing, when all the thoughts are about you as a body, what they're being used for is to presuppose that you're a non-existent thing. And then having that to be your starting point. And then from that starting point, things that may be totally insane make a whole lot of sense. Yeah? I'll give you an example. This drive to get into the moment is predicated on the insane idea that we could ever be out of a moment. There's tons of books in this place about getting more into the moment. But what is that whole drive to get more into the moment predicated on? The belief that you can be out of a moment. Have you ever been out of a moment in your own life? No. Nor will you ever. So we're trying hard to get into what we can't be out of. And conversely, we're busily buying books to get out of what we can't be in. <laughs>
if this comes in, it will it will be like water. It will go over the rock formation that's in there, <laughs> and by the water running in it, you'll get an incredible outline of it, and you'll see exactly what it is and what it ain't, and it ain't you. This is construed as a non-duality meaning, but the only thing you can teach is duality. You cannot teach non-duality. Because non-duality is nothing. <laughs> it's not two. It doesn't say not two and then a super one. It never says that. It just says not two. It's just negating the falsehood and then the finding out of what's so. You don't have to, you don't have to build what's so. You don't have to acquire what's so. It's right where we are at all times with no requirement necessary. It's just what we're configuring ourselves to be that exempt us from it or not. It's like an old thing I used to use, knocking on heaven's door. So here's heaven, and um, I have that malaise that Buddhism talks about, that little disquiet, that suffering, that dissatisfaction, recovery, we call it the irritability, restlessness, and discontent. Things just don't seem to fucking add up to being okay. So I go to the door, and I have a pretty good spiritual resume, and I'm thinking I should be able to enter heaven. So I knock on the door. And then the door opens immediately, and it's very disconcerting. I said, fucking God was just hovering right at the door, and there's God. And I go, God, can I come in? And he looks right at me and goes, Paul can't come in. So what happens? I, I, I walk away in a, in a deep dejection, and I, I further commit to my spiritual practices. And now, man, I've been, you know, tantric retreats and... And freaking Goa, uh, you know, Thai mon- forest monastery, four-week retreats, doing this. Doing, I've seen every teacher at all possible, so now I'm pretty confident. I, I, I'm worthy to enter. So I go up to the door, knock on the door. Again, the door just swings right open. Like, what the fuck? You know? And then I go, God, can I come in? And he looks right at me. And he goes, Paul can't come in. So now I just get pissed, you know? I mean, my toleration is over. Fuck it. I, and I just go partying and I'm fornicating and I'm just fucking around. God damn it. Raving it and everything. You know what I mean? And then I, I, I fall into this river and I get washed down. And then when I stand up, something happens. My mind cracks open and suddenly I see God at the door of heaven. And I go up to it and they knock on the door. God again is right there, opens the door, and I go, God, can I come in? And he goes, Paul, can't come in. And I walk right by. See, while I was identified as the body, when he said Paul, I thought he was talking about me. He was just making a statement of fact. No Paul, no Mary, no Elizabeth, no Zlatko can come in. Yeah. I was the one that was exiling myself from heaven, not heaven. As soon as I realized I'm not a Paul, I walked right in. Resume or no resume. Yes? All the requirements are on our side, not on its side. There is no it anyway. We are it. We're trying to make a deal with the it that we are because we can't seem to see it as that because we're already looking from what we think we are. Yeah? So the, the beginning of the game has been rigged and it's been moved to square three. And from square three, Monopoly looks a whole lot different than from square zero. By, at square three, you're taking the boot to be you. <laughs> you're calling it me. From square zero, it's a boot. 
<laughs> you'll see it. You'll feel it, man. When the when something's dawned on you, it'll have a quality, and that'll be, let's say, of a timeless nature. You'll have a sense of it. It's immediacy. Yeah, that it isn't any process of culmination or crescendoing or waning or waxing. It's just ever presently, fucking incessantly on brightness. Yeah. Like be- We're missing it by an inch, you know, but an inch can be like a thousand miles. We're just calling ourselves something, and therefore we forget that we're nothing, and nothing to me is everything, really. It's the gift that keeps on giving. We don't spend enough time with nothing, you know. We hear about it, then we move to the next person talking about nothing, and then we acquire a lot of shit, a lot of something about nothing. All it takes is one invitation. If it needs to be repeated, let it repeat itself, and then you once you. Nothing is unbelievable. It's the most reliable thing here. No one's, you know, you can't, you can't make anything out of it. You can't claim it. I remember when I first heard this and my mental state rushed in and tried to claim the philosophy of non-duality. And I was living in Australia at the time. I, was with, I lived with this woman and then I was professing that I wasn't a person and she wasn't a person. So she left this night, came back, and she wanted me to do the dishes and the dishes weren't done. And I said, well, there's no Paul to do the dishes. And she said, fuck you, Paul, do the dishes, you know? The mental state try to make something out of it, try to get an advantage of it, like letting it off the hook. And sometimes in recovery, people want to rush to this message to think it's, oh, it exempts them from doing the steps and everything. Oh, you know what I mean? There's all ways the mental state will try to make it, but it's like trying to pull the neck of the... The, the turtle out of the tortoise shell. It's, there's nothing, you can't get a hold of it. And usually then the mental state gets bored. Walks away, goes to the next teacher, the next book, the next tantric thing, the next seminar, the next extreme turbocharged Buddhism, you know, or something like that. But if you stick with that, with what's been offered, which is nothing, you'll see. You'll see the value in it. Yeah. It'll, you'll coax it out by just being persistent. But if you're going to keep moving on and moving on and moving on and hearing it in so many fucking different ways and getting, you know, how, how, <laughs> you know, comparing nothing based on this person's, <laughs> I've got 30 different samples of nothing. But it's not translating into an ease and comfort. It's not a sense felt event. I just have a lot of ideas about nothing. Which one is it? It's none of them. You're going to find out what it is. That's the beauty of it. You can know what you're not, but you can only find out what you are. You cannot know what you are. You'd have to be something else. But you can find out what you are when you realize and know what you're not. When you know what you're not, you will find out by the seeing of what you're not, you'll find out what you are. You'll find out. You'll be the living engagement of it. Yeah. You'll know the tree by its fruits. You'll see. You'll see how you've traveled for like 15 years and you come to the conclusion. See, this is what happens with recovery. People are talking, I was at a meeting today about one day at a time. But what happens when you really, you really realize what the problem was like when you get a relief from it? 
when one day at a time that concept really works for you, it's because you were totally scattered in yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah? It's like reverse engineering. It's like the ointment. You've, you've got a bad rash, and you've got eight different tins, and you put it on, and one you really think, you really believe this is the one that works, so you're adamant, so you don't recognize it's not working. You buy more of it, and you fucking put it in. You're like taking a bath in it, because you have an idea that this should be the one. But finally, you put one on, and it removes the rash. Then you read the ointment tin, and it says it's for psoriasis. You've now discovered what you had. The same thing with this. When you sense the relief of the bondage of self, you will now realize it was that identification with the presupposed false non-existent thing. You'll see the whole enchilada. You'll know it. It'll be like reverse engineering. You'll get relief and you'll realize why there wasn't seeming relief available before. You'll know exactly why things were the way they were. Exactly. Because this one thing shifts and it's sort of like, there's a, here's life and there's these row of knots. Yeah, relationships, physical health, money, circumstances, love, whatever. And then, yet there's this one knot. So let's say we work on certain topics, we do relationship seminars, we read all the newest books, and maybe it helps a little, but then the knot seems to tighten up again, and it doesn't seem to affect the knots near it. But if you go all the way back, and you find the first knot, and in the first knot, there's a thread that runs through everything else, and when the first knot loosens, everything else in your life loosens. You're on to something. For me, it was like the last answer. I heard this invitation, I entertained it, and I haven't looked for another answer since. That, that implies to me it's the last answer. <laughs> because it's the last answer. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. When something gets relieved, then you can tell why it was so influential. Just like gravity. People are not complaining about gravity. All day in San Rafael, not one cafe conversation was about the effects of gravity on us. We were, mis we were misnaming its effects by saying, I went up that steep hill today, or this or that. But really, there is no steep hill. It's gravity. Yeah, Gravity. So, but if you could, there's probably a book here, 900 pages on gravity, and they probably have, you can probably take a PhD course to be an expert on gravity, but all you really need to, is to go into an anti-gravity chamber. You know all you need to know about gravity by its absence. That's exactly the same as this message. You don't go affirmatively, it's negation. You negate and in the negation of that which isn't so, the so-ness becomes obvious. But the so-ness never becomes obvious to that which isn't so. It's impossible. The, the identification with that which isn't so, what's so, will never become obvious to it. Never. Never. It will always be a topic. It will always be maybe a, a hands reach out. It may seem to be totally, totally so, then not so. Two days later... Or it feels so in certain conditions, like a retreat with you know foot massages and vegan food. But then when you go to work, it seems to be totally lost. No. 
when you realize what's not so, what's so will become incredibly obvious as you. Then all the descriptions that you thought were about what's so will be quite fitting to you. <laughs> you, you will be exactly like what they were describing. Spacious, very, very clear, incessantly on. Look at your seeing. Does it take any thought or effort to see out of your eyes? No. Then why do we believe we can use thought and effort to get back to which is exhibiting no thought or effort at all? Consciousness or awareness is never efforting to be aware, ever, has it? Why would I believe that thought and effort will lead me to that which exhibits no thought or effort? I would say, hey, if I want to get to know that, I would sort of recognize its qualities. You know, we're not like at a class. You missed it. At 6.30 we got here early, and we were like seeing. <laughs> seeing. Oh, let me read a script, quotation in script. Oh, I'm seeing better now. Seeing, hearing. No. Have you ever efforted? Your eye may hurt, but that which is seen through it doesn't, does it? Is it always available at all times? Until you pass away, yes. The constancy, the reliability that we're so sorely looking for is right underneath our nose. It's just separated by a false, non-existent thing that may want to know it. Yeah? The non-existent thing may have a huge desire to know that, but that's not going to that's not going to be a bridge across the great ravine. It won't, because there is no space between you and you. And there's no time between you and you. mental state would not dare to try to claim your digestion process. Would it? it would sound funny if I said, oh, I've got to take a break. I forgot that burrito. I've got to digest that burrito. And then the pizza from Tuesday, I forgot also, you know. Everyone would laugh. But then, a much subtler process of the body, the thought system we believe to be the doer of. The digestion is very rarely going to drive you as crazy as the thought system does. What's the difference? You believe you're the doer of one, and you believe you're not the doer of the other. <laughs> it's as simple as that. If you believe the thoughts that are appearing in your head are yours, those thoughts that you own by saying, I'm the doer of, they'll own you. You'll be struggling with an interpretation that's constantly beckoning your attention about what life is or the experience of life. And in most cases, it seems like the interpretation is winning. Yeah? Because people are sitting in a room where there's no apparent threat and they're flipping out. Why is that? They must be reacting to something that isn't here. And what could bring something that isn't here seemingly back to here? 
But the thought system, yes. My elbow isn't beckoning anything back, is it? Has my elbow ever reminisced about last year? Really has it? No. The only thing that has a reality of time is is the thought system. And when do the thoughts occur? Now, have they ever broke that border, that boundary? Have they ever occurred at any other time but now? Have they once ever escaped now? Have they? Have you actually ever had a thought in the past? You've had tons of them about the past, but never in the past. Nothing escapes what is. Nothing. It's the context of any fucking possible thing we can conjure up. It's always appearing in the context of what is. And what appears in the context does have, has absolutely no effect on the context. Yes? It's sort of the difference between what's behind the camera and what's in front of the camera. This is in front of the camera, and this is never going to get behind the camera. Yeah? When you realize you're not this, you may get a very strong hit, you're behind the camera. And now this will be meditated instead of trying to meditate. Really, that's what it feels like. You'll be meditated all day because what you are is behind the camera. (laughs) You've never been... That awareness has never... Never... Never moved from you the whole time of this life. You've been meditated every moment. Mm. <laughs> you know, has anyone here in recovery, I think some people here, look at alcoholism. It's, it's like a parasite, isn't it? It's like a parasitical movement. It doesn't have a life, yet it, it can claim one. Yeah, And what, like... They've been doing a lot of studies about parasites. They're really interesting. They're going to find more and more of them. And then hopefully, like shamanism, they're going to move from the confines of them being things to see the non-thingness of parasites, the mental winds that they are. That's what alcoholism is, isn't it? You can't take an uh, an x-ray of alcoholism. It's not a thing. It affects things greatly, but it's not a thing. Well, there's, there's tons of parasites in the sense of that. To me, I believe... This is just, this thing called Paul is just an event that's constantly taken over. And the only thing in the parasitical world that the parasite respects is a power greater than it. That's the solution of recovery. We meet a power greater than self, and by turning our will and life over to that care of that, we get an immunity to the self. We're never going to get it through the self. It's got to be from the self. So the same, same, same. This power that we are is the power of all powers. Nothing can touch it. It's like that sky that allows everything to happen in it, yet whatever happens in it never affects it. The sky is never affected. The sky never gets weighed down by no matter how many clouds appear in it. Never. Never. When it rains, the sky never gets wet. Planes are never calling up the terminal. I ran into a big chunk of sky. Fucking, I can't get around it. No. Yes? 
It's had tons of freaking appearances, yet nothing has affected this guy one bit. That's like mind, big M mind. That's what our nature is like. All of this is happening within the nature that we are. Can you imagine if you would bring a little bit of that into your life? That you'd be able to travel lighter. That you'd be able to have an experience of outshining circumstances and situations that used to really, really outshine you. You'd see a new power demonstrating in your own life. Yeah? I mean, we can make... We're like great miracle workers, really. You know, we believe in that story of Lazarus being brought from the dead by Jesus to life. And that's a miracle, but we're bringing shit up from nothing all day. (laughs) We are, aren't we? I mean, the faith we have in the thought system (laughs) produces tons of anxiety, doesn't it? I mean... You can have a wonderful situation, but thoughts about a terrible one usually win out, don't they? I mean, what's allowing that to occur? Not the thoughts, but the one who's having the thoughts. That's the power. We're the power. We're the reality here. We are. What's looking is real. Like the Course says, you and I, the Course of Miracles, if you're not aware of it. It says this one statement, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. I like to say dreaming. I don't like nouns, so dreaming. Yeah? So you and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming. And in that forgetfulness, we give everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. As this. Yeah? Sounds like everyone's day here, doesn't it? Perfect diagram. What interested me in that was how am I forgetting that I'm the dreaming? So it has to be an activity. I'm forgetting that I'm the dreaming, and I believe it's by being identified as the dreamt. This is dreamt. As great Hoang Po says, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. So this is not what's seeing. This is being seen. Yeah? This is the dreamt. When the big M mind becomes identified with this, all the reality it lends to things now bite it in its figurative ass. <laughs> so you can be the source of all love yet feel like you're unloved here. Yeah? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Seriously. <laughs> so if you, these things if these things ring true, let it ring, you know. I, these things I read like 20 years ago and I've never forgotten them because it wasn't the words is what they triggered an avalanche inside me and those avalanches of like a sense feltness by that the words are remembered I remember these things because they triggered a huge avalanche of like the second lesson of the course you and I give everything all the meaning it has had a huge huge avalanche occur because it made it just explained 60 years of perception <laughs> in one sentence I was like what yes you and I give everything all the meaning it has it's a pretty amazing statement because it's totally comprehensive it uses everything and all in the same sentence 
you and I give everything all the meaning it has. There's no wiggle room. Why would that, if you would entertain that, where would that lead? If you entertained that you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has, then not just let it stay there and neuter it and freeze it and think, I know that, but let it do what it does, which is a triggering of entertaining. It's inevitably going to take you back to you're the reality. Because what else could give everything all the meaning it has but the meaning of all things, which is the reality? Nothing else could give everything the meaning it has, could it? Or there would have been an exemption, a footnote in saying, and the reality is giving you the meaning that you give all the things. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. You and I are giving everything all the meaning it has. What's given you a meaning? Well, this has been given a meaning, and it ain't you. The mind has called you this. And then, here we, here we are, we're all yous, yes? But it goes farther than that. That you there is crowned me. This you here is crowned me. This you there is crowned me. This you there is crowned me. So we have this whole realm of yous, but we're all the kings and queens of it. <laughs> Paul the Twelfth, the, the tyrannical reign of Paul the Twelfth, <laughs> cohabitating the same stage as Ted the Fourth. <laughs> Ted the Terrible. <laughs> we're surrounded by examples of what we're not, all the use, but we say, hey, I beg to differ, it's me. <laughs> it's me. The attributes of consciousness, I'm the one that's doing it. I'm seeing. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. I'm sure of it. I'm seeing. Paul. Paul seeing. Paul is a form of looking. Paul hasn't seen a damn fucking thing. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> he was too busy looking, he couldn't see anything. And Paul is saddled with a certain form of looking called self-centeredness. He sees everything as how it pertains to him. Not as what he is, but what he isn't. How is this place going to make sense? How? Like the Course says, the brain interprets to the body. The brain's interpreting this event to the body. It's not interpreting it to the spirit. The spirit says, in the spirit's point of view, this is fucking insane up here. Totally insane. Who would, who would think this was saying that we're constantly willing to give up the joy of being here now with the hopes of having a better year later? You know? How does, how does that make sense? Like when you were a kid, when I was playing, time hadn't set up yet, so I was never worrying, will I be playing next week? So I could really be playing, and when I was playing, I didn't go home at lunch and critique my playing. I think Wayne was playing a lot better than I was. No, it was just playing. I'd walk around my house, I didn't think my room was too small or I should have gap clothes, or my mother was ugly. None of that was going on. I wasn't looking for retreats and meditation, because I hadn't thought of the insane idea I could be out of any moment yet. So I wasn't trying to get in the moment. What happened? And what was, what was 
frequently available in that moment was wonder and awe and spontaneity and this and that. Yes, what happened? The brain developed, the mental state became the dominant force. Life was not seen as happening, it was seen, it was interpreted that it's happening to me. There you go. That's why in recovery, I love it. It says you'll outgrow. We grew into fear, and we can outgrow it. Yeah, We grew into something seemingly, and we can outgrow it. And seemingly is the key. Everything here appears to be true or false to you. You are the reality. See what happens. Maybe blame will disappear in your life. You realize no one's fucking ever did anything to you. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's just, just all the auctioning off of our inter- interest and attention will now be free to enrich our day instead of enslave it to yesterday and tomorrow. You'll feel like you're led instead of leading. You'll feel like you're under change instead of changing. You'll feel like you're directed instead of directing. You'll feel like you're meditated instead of meditating. You'll feel it. It'll be a sense-felt thing. You'll feel that presence they talk about in some of the books. You'll sense it. You'll be alive in it. It's like the fish... It finally dawns on the fish that it's in water, yeah, for the first fucking time. And he had a huge story that how dry it was, and then he realizes the ridiculousness of all the stories it had. And it just, it's just, now he knows it's wet, and it's beyond, it's like when I was young. I used to go to, when I was about 12, you know, he started wanting to have things with girls and stuff, 11, 12. And, uh, I thought I was pretty cool, and there was a place called Roosevelt Field in Long Island. It was a big mall, and I lived in Rockville Center, and I'd get on the bus on the weekend, and i have this certain outfit i wear, and I'd walk around the mall, you know, hoping I was attracting female attention, which I was, seemingly. So I had these, these red corduroy pants and a nice gray long sleeve t-shirt, and my hair was a little long. I thought I was pretty cool, you know, and I'd go there every week hanging out, you know, looking at things, and, and people, I, a lot of people were looking at me, and going, hey, it's working, and then about three months into it, a friend of mine had some compassion on me, and he says, you know, Paul, that outfit, the red pants, I go, yeah, he says, they're magenta, Paul, and you know that, that shirt you have, yeah, it's pink, so actually, because I'm colorblind, so once he told me the shirt, which I would have sworn on a stack of Bibles was gray, as soon as he informed me it was pink, I saw it as pink, and I never not saw it as pink ever since. And the, the red, the corduroys that I was calling red for all these months, as soon as he said, hey, they're magenta, I saw them as magenta, and they never turned red again. And I didn't go in like every few months and go in the closet and see if they've changed. It was just like that. They were magenta and pink. Yeah? Never not to be. This is what it's like. It can be that sudden, and then it gets established, and then find out what happens. You know? It's not going to be what you think. I'll tell you, it's a really... Uh, 
you'll see a lot. You'll see the addiction to experiences. You'll see that, which is a very strong addiction here. People which would much rather have an experience than to be something. They would. They have some control over the experience. But being it, there's no control. There's an abandonment into being. See it. This is like ordinary dog shit awareness, I swear. And there's not going to be any ceremonies on the cliff with the wind blowing through your long hair and, you know, giving yourself up to the spirit. It's, it's just like going to the store. You know, it's like dog shit awareness. You're just fucking incessantly awake to being awake. It's nothing like I thought. I thought it was going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. <laughs> yeah, it's not what it was cracked up to be in my head. So, whatever. There's the message. Any questions? I have one question. Yep. When you were saying, um, you said something about earlier about you know uh, owning the owning the thoughts that you had, or saying you, it's a, you're saying that you, you do it. However, you say it, you're saying you own the thoughts because. Um, well, you're calling them yours. Yeah. So you were saying, but how do you how do you have be absent then? I mean, like, because you're saying you're, you're doing it because your brain. You are trying to own something. You're trying to own your beliefs and stuff like that. Well, you're not. The mental state is. That's right. the good news. Right. It's implying it's you while it's doing all that, but it isn't. So are you saying that you should not own anything? I'm not saying any should at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's no one to own or not own. That's all. Mm-hmm. I would think, see, what I'm, I'd rather pinpoint, look at the one thought, which is being the thinker. Then don't worry about all the other thoughts. Yeah, just see the one thought that precedes all the other thoughts and is implying that you're the thinker of all the others and that's I'm the thinker just see if that's so or not just be suspicious instead you know what I mean mm-hmm. just be uh, to me it's like entertaining it's like uh, like something is said it comes into a space it doesn't immediately have to go underneath the microscope and then the fucking forensic you know just let it see what it wants to do in there and see what happens and if it starts ringing true and some of them will just const- just continue to ring true you're on to something cool. yeah nice. yeah so now you're something's being built on a sound sound point yes boom 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 yeah so to me it has nothing to do with the thoughts it's the thinker it's the mind it's like we had an old thing we always used to use you can see the heaviness and lightness of light by the simplest example. So here, three words, money, relationships, and health. Okay? So they all have a meaning based on where you're at. You can feel them. Yes, if, you don't, if you're cancer or something, health would seem to be vibrate a lot more. Yeah? Now I'm going to change those three words without ch- dramatically without changing the word at all. I'm going to change them dramatically. My money. My health, my relationship. You don't see the difference? Hmm? So, money. I wish all of you to have tons of money, but I don't want you to have any of my money. You see? See the flavor? 
One's much heavier than the other, isn't it? Money, my money. Time, my time. Usually different. That's what's happening all day. The mental activity of selfing is adding weight. That's why you feel like you're traveling heavy. When you feel like you're traveling heavy, sometimes you're apt to do almost anything. Even with 20 years of sobriety, you may want to get loaded because it's so unbearable. That's the point. What's causing the heaviness? It's not really the event. The event of life is being used to cause the heaviness. The mental state is putting the weight on it. So if you see the my, yeah, your relationship to money is totally different than your relationship with my money. I told you. It's just like a girlfriend. You have a girlfriend, you're having a lot of fun going out, everything's pretty relaxed, and then one day she's christened your girlfriend. You know, now she's my girlfriend. Then suddenly you're interested in what she does when she's not around you. So you're parked in front of her house to see who's going over to see your girlfriend. Or maybe you jack into her email to see, hey, I want to see who my girlfriend is communicating to. <laughs> now everything was really good with girlfriend, but now my girlfriend, you're up on stalking charges after a few months. The difference is huge, isn't it? Yeah. But that's one example. How about all day? That's the possibility. Heavy or light? Lean into one or lean the other way? Yeah. Yeah. It's very pragmatic. Just see. You don't need tons of examples. One example can explain everything. Just check it out. Check out the thought system. See what the thoughts are about. They're about you as a body. What are they structured in? Time. All thoughts are drenched in time. Yes? Yeah. I mean, you're here, aren't you? Seemingly. Wouldn't it be nice to sort of really see what that is? I mean, you may be at a moment of the biggest heist of all time that's going totally unnoticed. The mental state taking a life that isn't its. Yeah? dismissing the event of life and giving you an interpretation about it. Fuck, I think it's a giant fucking heist. And to me, it's like slavery. Yeah? It irritated me when I started to realize something. I wasn't happy. You know, I was curious because, wow, fuck, is that really the case? Yeah. Remember when I was young, you know, when you're young? I remember the day, one of the first things I ever entertained is, I don't have to go to school. (laughs) You know, in 10th grade. I was just going to school because the conditioning, I was in a very strong box of conditioning. Like, everyone goes to school. And that's just what you do. When I hit about 10th grade, I would say, well, why do I have to go to school? I couldn't come up with a good answer, so I stopped going to school. (laughs) But I saw... How unbelievable, you know, like if you ever did acid, the first acid trip, I don't know if you did it, but if you ever do acid, first acid trip is pretty educational. You see, you go, oh, all the, all the plastic people, of course you're not excluding yourself as one of the plastic people, but you see everything is plastic, but you're, ex- you're exempting you from, that's the self thing. But, you know, it was pretty educational, wasn't it? It opened my eyes, usually. I was like, I, I thought about the first 13 trips were very educational. You know, they really did. I mean, they opened up a lot of information that I've been, you know, was probably the most authentic information I had at that time. Seriously. You know, the mind opened up and saw things that were right in plain sight but hadn't seen them just by a shift. Well, guess what? You know, selfing 
is like the thief of all thieves. It's like the Dracula that will go on vampire hunts. <laughs> It'll kill other vampires to disguise itself. So alcoholism isn't any near, anywhere near closer to the exact nature of the wrong, which is identification as a self. That's the bondage. That's where alcoholism affixes to. It affixes to the selfing, and then it amplifies it. Yeah, But the selfing is in place. The selfing is the heist of all heists. Yeah, You take yourself to be that non-existent thing. And then your life proceeds from there, and everything's brought back to there. And that there isn't really here. It's a mental here. Isn't it? It's a misplacement. The whole game is off because square zero has been forgotten, and we're calling square three square zero. That's all it is. You know, we repeat it constantly for years. We have two meetings a week because repetition can be helpful. You'll get familiar with it. Just like when I used to do Qigong, now when I just get in the beginning posture, the whole energy moves without any coaxing because it's a habit. Yeah? To me, that which is, if it becomes f- familiar to you, it's, it changes this world. Yeah? Yeah. So, there you go. Pass the basket? Yes. Thanks. You want to pass that on? Thank you. Oh, man, you're more than welcome. It always doesn't always go well, this talks. <laughs> Some of the recipients, you know. <laughs>